In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who forgives us, who restores us, who makes us His heirs. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ. So, there's something interesting in this gospel reading, just kind of right off the bat, that um, I, at least I didn't notice right away. Um, uh, you know, this is one of those dangerous stories that we have in the Bible. It's not dangerous because, you know, somehow it's um, salacious or, or something like that. It's dangerous in that we all think we know what is in this Bible story, right? So we're like, oh yeah, prodigal son, got that one down. Um, you know, uh, if you bring up Second Chronicles, I'll maybe actually read it and listen. Um, uh, but, but, Prodigal son, I know how that story goes. And that was largely the way that I uh, conceived of this story. I was like, okay, I get it. And I, I know what the prodigal son story is about. Um, but there's something really kind of, you know, distinct in this prodigal son story that you don't necessarily notice right away. So I'm going to do a little bit of a retelling in order to kind of bring that out and make it pop for you. And that is this. So we, we know about the prodigal son. Prodigal son goes to his dad. He's like, hey, dad, I want my inheritance today. And uh, that's basically like telling his dad, hey, dad, um, you know, uh, if you were dead today, that would also be all right. And, uh, and so this is a, a real affront, especially in the time period in which it's set. This is something that would be a massive blow to the father and to the father's ego. That the son would, would basically come to him and say, Dad, you're really not worth anything to me other than your money. And so I'd like to have the money, and then I'm going to, di- I'm going to divorce you from my life, and I'm going to go out and I'm going to do my thing. And so, sure enough, the father says, all right. Uh, because he's a loving father. He, he um, listens to the request of the son. And he just says, okay, if that's what you want, we'll do this. And so he uh, gives him the money, and the, the son goes off to Vegas. <laughs> or, or to, you know, Fire Island, or to wherever it is that you go in order to... Um, spend copious amounts of money in just a little bit of time. And, uh, and so he goes out there and he um, spends his money on things that, you know, you shouldn't spend your money on. Um, you know, whatever that, that is for you, you know, is stuff that you shouldn't spend your money on. So um, he's out there and he, he blows through all of his cash, like in no time whatsoever. And there's a famine in the land. So um, it, it does appear that he's at least trying to maybe work a little bit of something. But all of that goes away when there's a famine in the land. And now all of a sudden there's no money to be had. And uh, he certainly doesn't have any money from his inheritance. And so he starts as a Jewish boy. Remember that Jewish boy. Uh, he starts to feed pigs. So that's a big deal, folks. Um, I, I don't know if you guys have studied up on your kosher laws recently. Um, uh, but, but that's a big deal. Yeah, he, he's out there. He's feeding pigs. And he's even saying to himself, man, I am so hungry I not only want to eat this pig, I would be okay eating what the pig is eating. And he goes, this is silly. 
How many of my father's servants, just the people that work for him, his employees, the people that are probably indentured servants to his father, so um, they got a huge sum of money probably at the beginning in order to take care of some family, and they basically sold themselves as temporary slaves to the father. Um, he said, how many of them have everything that they need? Because my father is going to feed them so that they can at least work well. And so he starts to conjure up this speech. And, and the speech is, is something that, you know, you can almost see him kind of mouthing it to himself. You know, he, he's trying to find the right words. He's trying to figure out, okay, what do I say to dad so that he will listen to me, so that he will bring me back in as his as his servant, not as his son, but just as his servant, because that's all uh, all I really want. I don't even deserve that, but uh, th- that's what I really want. And so uh, the younger son, he goes, and he's kind of rehearsing this to himself as he's making the long walk from Las Vegas to Jerusalem, um, or wherever it is he's going. And uh, he's, he's rehearsing it to himself, and, and you know, pretty soon he's got it down. He can say it without even thinking about it, which is usually the way that we treat our confessions, right? Um, we're like, I'm sorry, God, and God says, what does sorry mean? And we go, oh, yeah, okay, uh, now I'm really sorry. Um, and, and so that's kind of the way that he's going. He, you know, he's rehearsed his repentance so well. He's rehearsed his confession so well that it probably doesn't even really ring in his mind all that much anymore. However, he still knows that this is an important point in his life. And so he gets almost all the way to the house. He gets almost all the way to the house and he sees the father. And the father starts running at him. And he's filled with this feeling of this is going to work. Right? Because we're talking about the younger son here. We're not talking about some holy saint. We're talking about a kid who's like, oh, I just want to get back in the house. And so he's like, okay, this is going to work. I've got my speech all prepared. I've got it ready to go. And so his father comes and he hugs him and the son starts to spew his speech and he starts to say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. And the father cuts him off. And that's the important part of this. At least for today, at least for this sermon. Is that the father cuts him off. And he cuts him off at a specific point. The father cuts him off at the point at which he's getting into all of the stuff that he's going to do to show that he's worthy to be a servant in the household. I've sinned against you and against heaven. And I'm not worthy to be considered your son. Just make me a servant. Showing him, I've already worked this out, Dad. All you have to do is just sign right here on the dotted line. This is what you have to do, Dad, right here. And Dad doesn't let him get there. Dad doesn't let him get that far into his little contract. Dad just says to his servant, go and get all of the stuff that will show the entire world that this is my son.
And that is how we're supposed to understand forgiveness. Which is so much better than how we think forgiveness works. Because it's so much better than the way in which we forgive one another. They've actually done studies that people look for about five different things when you are, um, when you're apologizing. Um, that there are different people to which uh, different things mean, okay, that, that person is actually sorrowful, that person is actually repentant, that person actually um, is worthy of my forgiveness. And uh, they, those five different things are things both that uh, we, when, when we ask for forgiveness, we usually lead what, with whatever is kind of the way that we like to forgive other people. And so some of those things are, um, you know, uh, feeling really sorrowful. So if you're one of those people, you are probably not very likely to forgive someone Unless they look like they're sorry. Unless there's a tear in their eye. Unless there's a little bit of a warble in their throat as they're confessing to you. Uh, if you're one of those people, the emotions that that person is going through are, are important to you. And that will signal to you that that person is actually worth you forgiving. Some of the rest of you are complete Vulcans and you don't care about emotions. And uh, there's just different kinds of people. And for you, a lot of times, uh, for, for many people, it doesn't matter what the person is feeling because you're kind of suspect about how well other people can act. But if they're willing to do something in order to show you that they're really sorry if, if they're willing to you know, sort of commit some act. And, you know, it, it's kind of like, okay, if uh, I broke the window, I'm willing to pay for the window instead of I'm just really sorry about the window. It's that kind of a thing. And so if you're one of those people, you're like, unless there's an offer of restitution here, you're really not all that sorry and I'm not forgiving you. Some of you are even hooked on a request for forgiveness. I think that's where I am, actually. This is my bailiwick. And maybe it's because I'm a pastor. I don't know. But my thing is, uh, if you don't actually ask for my forgiveness, I'm not going to forgive you. You actually have to come up with the words. I am sorry. Will you forgive me? In order for me to go, all right, you're worthy of my forgiveness. Now, that's my sinful side, and I shouldn't be there. But that's, that's kind of where I'm at with this. Some of you are people that are looking for restoration. Other of you are looking for tears. I'm looking for you just to say, will you please forgive me? And there's a few other kinds of people out there. But we, we do this as human beings. We set these sort of hurdles up for people that have hurt us. We set these hurdles up so that we know that we're not going to be hurt again. And we set those hurdles up in defense of ourselves. And so the, the whole reason that 
we look for the emotional content of someone's confession is that we want to know that they're taking this seriously. The whole reason that we look for somebody to make restitution is we want to know that they're taking this seriously. The whole reason that people like me want to hear, will you actually forgive me, is that you actually want that forgiveness. But the father in the story isn't looking for that. You know, I I can kind of even picture the father in, in the story. You know, he's running down, he sees his boy, and he gives him a big hug, and the boy starts to rattle off his little speech, and he's in his father's shoulder, and all of a sudden, instead of his great speech that he's rehearsed time and time again, it comes out like, and I can see the father being like, oh, what are you trying to say? And yet, at the same time, just holding him close, because that's what he wants to do. I think there's a corollary here with the older brother, too. You know, the, the older brother has this thing where, where he, he wants to be heard. He, he wants to be heard for the, the pain and suffering that he's gone through. And sure, he's maybe a little bit whiny, but I think we all kind of get there. We all kind of understand what it's like to be the older brother at some level. That we're, we're not quite sure why God forgives that person because, um, well, that person, really God? But that's just us operating in the same way. And so Jesus is telling this story to his disciples, to the people that are following him, to bring across a very important point about God. And that important point about God is that God isn't holding out these prerequisites for you to jump over so that he can trust you again. Because God, at some level, knows you're not trustworthy. At some level, God is not looking at the younger son and being like, oh, well, I forgave him. I gave him all of this stuff, this really cool ring, this really cool robe. He's always going to be 100% faithful to me. Um, The father is not dumb. He's got a fattened calf. He knows how the world works. God isn't dumb. He knows who you are. He knows that you could let him down again. But he also knows that there's something inside of you. There's something inside of you that you've been muffling into his shoulder. These plans that you have in order to make life better for everyone involved. And those are important. But they're only important for you. They're only important for you to rehearse. And so as you start thinking through all of those things that you go, hey, I sinned in this way, and so now I'm going to behave in this way, those things are for you, and those things are good thoughts for you. For you to say, hey, um, uh, this week I cheated people out of money. Next week I am going to repay people that money. That's going to be important for you. And that's going to be a growth for you. 
but it's not important in your relationship with your father. It's not important in your relationship with God. To God, that's just all muffled stuff that he's going, well, that's important for you. And he's patting you on the back. That's cute. (laughs) But it's not important for me. Because what's important for him is that you are a part of his family. And he will do everything in his power to make you a part of his family. Including shutting up your self-righteous plans and not hearing them. And so, may this week, may you rehearse how you're going to fix the sins that you've committed. May you rehearse that for yourself. May you actually take action on those things. And may you start to fix the brokenness that you have created by your sins. But may you more than that know that you have a God for whom those plans do not matter. But that rather what matters to him is that you are his child. Amen.